Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. recap from last week. One, anger is not a sin. It is just an emotion, a combination of emotions. Two, the origin of anger resides in the nature of God, mainly his love and his holiness. Number three, God responded in anger to injustice, to evil, and to sin, and it's okay for us to feel the same. Four, anger is evidence that we are concerned with right and wrong. Five, The purpose of anger is to motivate us to positive action that results in a better outcome. So that was last week's point. So just as a quick review. So if you'll stand with me, we'll go to the scripture. And Brother Zach, I apologize that I didn't get you those scriptures before tonight. If you can just roll with me tonight, I appreciate that. We're going to turn to Ephesians 4.26. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, it'll be on the screen for you. Ephesians 4.26 says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So tonight we're going to continue in lesson two, being good at being angry. Pastor, can you lead us in prayer tonight? Amen. Everyone say amen. You can be seated. Will Rogers said, people who fly into a rage always make a bad landing. So just like last week, I'm going to start off with a video. This first one's called Plank. So if you can turn your attention to the screen, we're going to start off with a short video.
He who flies into a rage always makes a bad landing. Tonight we're going to start talking about how to process our anger when a wrong has been committed towards us. And tonight we're going to focus on whenever a wrong has been committed by someone we're in a relationship with. Now I'm not talking like just a marriage relationship, but it could be a coworker, it could be a friend, it could be a child, a parent, it could be a spouse, it could be your neighbor, it could be your boss. So someone that you have some type of a relationship with. So we're talking about anger that is valid. And what that means is a genuine wrongdoing has occurred. For example, maybe you lent a friend some money and they promised to pay it back to you the following week on their payday. And now it's been two months and you haven't seen a dime. Or maybe your neighbor had some landscaping done and the worker ripped out two of your bushes along with your neighbors. Or maybe your teenage son snuck into your room and stole some cash out of your purse. Or maybe you have a sister who has a child that's nine years old and they're a bully and they treat your child not very nice. And you sit there and nothing happens. So in all these different instances that happen, the first step in processing your anger, and we're going to go through these step by step and break them down. Number one is acknowledge to yourself that you are angry. Say it out loud if you need to. I'm angry about this. This makes me so mad. And what am I going to do about it? Now, sometimes anger comes upon us so suddenly, and we're responding before we even think. But if we stop to recognize that we are angry, we allow ourselves that moment of clarity to think through our response. One, I'm angry, acknowledging the emotion. Number two, what am I going to do about it? In this method, in this moment, you're thinking about your action. And this also serves as a reminder to us that the anger and the action are two different things. You're separating your emotion and how you feel from the action that you're going to do. Okay? Be angry, sin not. It's okay to feel anger. What we do with it in our action that comes afterward could be a sin depending on what we do. And for this, for some people, especially some Christians, this step can be difficult because some people raised in the church were taught that anger is a sin, that you can't feel anger. That is wrong. And they will go to great lengths to avoid even saying the word, I'm upset. I'm a little disappointed. That bothered me a little bit. But they'll never admit that they were angry, right? So for some people, it can be a difficult step because they feel if I acknowledge that I'm angry, in their mind, I'm acknowledging that I'm sinning. So for this is a good first step to say, this is not true. It's okay to feel anger. And it clarifies for us, we have anger. Just like we talked about last week. Jesus had anger. God experienced anger at the children of Israel. Jesus had anger at the money changers in the temple. It's okay to feel anger. So it's okay in that first moment just to acknowledge it and to say, this is how I feel, and that's okay. All right, that's one. Number two, restrain. Restrain your immediate response. Restrain, hold back. Now, very few people, that encompass pretty much all of us, have learned how to control and how to direct our anger, right? Because that, that emotion of anger can make you feel so out of control. Makes you feel like it's just taking you over. And it's just like, this is just what I did because I was angry. 
So let's take a moment and watch our next video, Inside Out. Wait, did he just say we couldn't have dessert? That's anger. He cares very deeply about things being fair. So that's how you want to play it, old man? No dessert? Oh, sure. We'll eat our dinner right after you eat this. Ah! <laughs> right, right, here comes an airplane. <laughs> you like to read minds, Meg? I got something for you to read wait, right wait, wait, wait. here. Let's just be copper one thing. That's it. No, 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 breathe. Find your happy place. <laughs> What would you do if you're so smart? I tell you, but you're too dumb to understand. What? Of course your tiny brain is confused. Guess I'll just have to dumb it down to your level. Sorry I don't speak moron as well as you, but let me try. <laughs> Triple them Wait, did he just say we couldn't have dessert? Huh. It can be difficult when you start feeling the temperature rising and the anger coming out. Now, most of us, how we deal with anger, a lot of times it's a learned behavior for something that we saw exampled to us as a child, how our parents handled anger, how our dad did, how our mom did. And most of the time, it's one of two things. There's either the explosion of anger, which is all the verbal or the physical, and it's just, it just explodes and just pours out on everything all around them like a volcano. Or it's the opposite. It's the implosion. There's still an eruption, but it's been a controlled simmering inside, and it still explodes inside, but that person becomes withdrawn, they give the silent treatment, they hold it all in, they push it down, sometimes they become bitter and hateful. So there's two ways, typically, but neither is a healthy way. And both of them can be destructive. So we'll talk more about that next week. But in this step number two, we have to learn how to retrain what we do. Now, you may have heard me make that phrase, retrain our brain, in times past when I taught on sexual purity and how our brain and how our mind works. And sometimes habits become so ingrained in us that unless we take a moment to pause and be purposeful about what we're going to do, we just automatically do what we've always done because it becomes a habit. So this step helps us to retrain. So... Let me just ask you guys, what are some ways that you see people express anger? Kids, you're welcome to jump in on this too. If someone gets mad, what are some of the things that you've seen? Yeah. Someone's yelling because they're angry. Absolutely. Someone else? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Some people use bad words. They get upset and just, boy, they let her fly. Yep. Go to their room and slam the door. Very true. What else? What are some other ways? Throwing stuff. throwing stuff. Yep, absolutely. May not say anything, but man, just feels good to throw stuff. Anybody else got something else? Yep. What do you do when you get mad? You stomp your feet? Oh, temper tantrum. Yeah. All right. What else? Anybody else? So all of these have been examples of explosions. Anybody ever seen anybody get mad and they just shut down? They don't say nothing to nobody? Yep. Yep, just saying, yeah. They suddenly, they just shut completely down. Silent treatment, they ain't talking to nobody, but you know they are mad. You can see it all over their face. 
They may not have exploded, but you know there's something simmering there on the inside. Anything else? Anybody else? Any other examples? Okay, so you guys have given some great ones. Now, here's the thing. Restraining or holding back our anger, it's not the same thing as holding it in like I'm talking about where it becomes an implosion. I'm going to read some scriptures to you, but these are going to be from the New Living Translation. Proverbs 29.11 says, Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Now, holding it back, that's not talking about holding it in. Understand it's two different things. Fools vent their anger, and it's just basically saying that a fool, they just, in the moment of their anger, they just let it fly. There's no thought, there's nothing given in their actions and what they do. But a wise person does these things. They stop, they recognize the anger, and they think through what their response is going to be. It also says in Proverbs 19.11, this is also from the New Living Translation, sensible people control their temper. And Proverbs 14.17 says, short-tempered people do foolish things. So if we just let our temper have control instead of us having control of our temper, we're going to do some really stupid stuff, right? Author Ambrose Beer said this, speak when you are angry and you'll give the best speech you will ever regret. How many of us have ever said or done things in the heat of anger that we later regretted? Every single one of us. You remember that old phrase that says an ounce of pre prevention is worth a pound of cure? That's an old phrase from a long time ago. If we can purposely and plan for to restrain ourselves just a little so that we can give the prompt, proper response, it's way better than having to do damage control later because then we're trying to apologize. There's more hurt feelings, not just yours, where you got angry. We're trying to fix the situation, mend the relationship. And man, that's a lot of work. And it actually ends up being more work than if we just stopped and started training ourselves to have the proper response at the beginning, okay? Because everyone comes out so much better. Now, some people will say, I'm sorry. I just can't control my anger. I, I'm sorry. When I get angry, forget it. There ain't no control in me. I, it's just going to happen, okay? But here's the thing. I propose that people choose when to control or not control their anger. Let me give you an example. There's a man who has a prestigious job. It pays well. He has a company car. He gets four weeks of vacation every year. A really, really cushy job. It's a great job. And maybe his boss was unsatisfied with his last report and had a few choice words. And he is mad. But man, he doesn't want to take a chance on a danger in his job. So he bites his tongue and doesn't say what he wants to say to his boss. But that same man gets aggravated at his wife and will unleash a diatribe of words to her. People choose when to control and not to control their anger on how it's going to benefit them. If they see no risk involved, they're more apt to let it go. But if there could have a consequence, well, maybe I won't. We always have a choice. There is that moment right before we let it all go that we can choose to pause and to wait. You remember that advice? Some of us, how many as kids, whenever you were trying to learn how to control your temper and mom would say, just count to 10 or take some deep breaths. Just stop. Go sit in your room for just a few minutes. Take a moment to calm down. 
Now, for some of us, that count to 10 ain't going to work. We need to count to 100, 200, maybe a few more hundreds. That's good advice. And if we need to do that, so be it. If we need to take a time out, we can give ourselves a time out. We've even given that advice along the way in marriage teaching and marriage counseling. Sometimes you get into a heated argument, and you just need to stop and take a time out and step away because you know you've reached a point where nothing valuable or productive is going to come of that moment in the conversation. Now, that doesn't mean that you're postponing it for three months. You're just taking a short time out so that you can calm yourself. Because then you can allow, remember last week our little uh, video about the prefrontal cortex that kind of you got to engage that in order to override all those angry emotions in the back part of our brain? We need that to come back to the forefront so we can think logically and rationally. And at that moment, that's the perfect time. We may even need to say a little prayer. God, I am so mad. And you know what? It's okay to tell God that we're angry. He's okay with that. And he said, you know what? I understand. I've been mad too. <laughs> he says, yeah, been there, done that. So it's okay to take that moment and say, God, I'm just so mad. And then to say, I need your help. I feel that I have been wronged and I have been treated badly. But God, please help me to respond wisely. And God will respond to that type of prayer. Because you know what? He already knows our heart anyway. It's not wrong to be transparent and just acknowledge where we're at. So this pause, this step two, it gives us a moment to get a hold of our emotions so then we can approach the situation with constructive action. Number three, locate the focus of your anger. Why am I so angry? Why did this bother me so much? Now this requires thought. This means we have to do some inner searching. Leadership people, this is why we must be self-aware. Where are these feelings coming from? What triggers this anger for me? So now we're going to watch our last video of the night here that I have, the third one. You might have to turn it up on the media computer. The person you should be most angry at is you. It's you. How have you been feeling? Any more control issues? In control. Good. Excellent. It's me. Kermit. Hey, we're having a meeting here, man. You're being really rude, frog. Uh, pardon us, please. Uh, animal, I need to talk to you for a second. We're, we're getting the Muppets back together. We need you to drum again. Animal drum? Yes. Please, sir. Drum! 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 Okay. Yeah. In control. <laughs> Good. I'm Animal's court-appointed sponsor. We don't use the D. His trigger word. His trigger word? Um, excuse me, Mr. Black, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but it's very important to these guys that they get their drummer back. Gary! It's my trigger word, too. Jack, we talked about this on Tuesday. Tuesday's another one of my trigger words! Oh, I don't think so! Sorry. What's going on, animal? Animal, heal! Go, animal, be free, man! But remember, no drummer! Oh, he had to discover his trigger word. So anyway, that was just a little humorous video that I thought you would enjoy. But let's take that and let's have an example. So let's say that you're angry. And in this moment, you're angry at your spouse. And so you start asking yourself these questions because you're trying to locate the focus of your anger. Why am I so angry? 
Is it something they said? Is it something they did? Is it the way they're talking? You know, the tone of voice that they're using, right? Is it the way they're looking at me? I just don't like the way they're looking at me. Does their behavior remind me of one of my parents? Is my anger influenced by something that happened at work today? Did I come home already angry? Am I reminded of something in my past or in my childhood and it brings up something unpleasant? Am I just tired? Have I been sick? Am I stressed? We have to locate the focus of our anger. So here's an example. Stephanie was angry because her teenage son left the house without bothering to clean his room. Now, Stephanie's mother was on her way to visit, and she would be there soon. So she was very angry. Mom's going to come. She's going to look at my house. She's going to look at my son's room. And she stopped and realized as she took a moment to follow these steps, locating the focus of her anger. And she realized that on a regular basis, her son's room was cluttered more often than not. And normally, it didn't bother her too much. But she remembered in her past, her mom making a statement that stuck to her, saying, you won't amount to much. Look, you can't even keep your room clean. So mom's showing up. If mom sees the son's room a little cluttered, is it going to confirm that Stephanie is a failure? So Stephanie realized that if her mom wasn't coming to visit, her son's room being a little cluttered probably wouldn't be that big of a deal because normally it doesn't bother her, right? Locating the source of her anger. So the bottom line in locating the focus of our anger is to discover the wrong committed by the person at whom we are angry. What did they do wrong? Did Stephanie's son, every time before he left the house, was he supposed to clean his room and clean? Now, if so, that's a different story, but no. He just did what he always did. But this little situation created anger for a different reason. And she realized that her son didn't really do anything wrong. He had no, she had no reason truly to be angry at him. So we have to ask ourselves, what is their sin? How did they wrong me? And then next we have to determine how serious was the offense. I mean, if husband Nate forgot to pick up the milk on his way home from work, that isn't the same as if he was an abusive husband. It's not even on the same chart, right? Some wrongs are minor and some wrongs are major. So we can't mismanage our anger and respond the same way to all offenses, big or small. Number four, the next step, we've got to analyze our options. Now we ask ourselves, what are the possible actions I could take? Hmm, what are some things we could do when someone has done us wrong? Give me some examples, anybody? What are some things we can do? If someone's been done us wrong, what can we do? Well... That would be a positive thing, but what do we normally do? Trevor? Say some mean words to them? Okay. What do we typically do, though? What's some other things? Someone's done you wrong. What do you do? Okay, stop talking to them. Just completely block them out. Anybody else? Yep. Yep, absolutely. Insult them. I'm going to make them feel the pain that they caused me. Yep. Sister Charlene, walk away, true, yep. In all these cases, though, did that do anything productive for our anger? I mean, you guys mentioned some of them. We could chew them out. We could bring up their past failures. We could throw things. We could give them the silent treatment. 
We can isolate ourselves from them. You can slap them, shake them, think nasty thoughts like they're a stupid idiot, not worth talking to, and I ain't going to, you know, go around. But if we stop and put all these things through two filters, is it positive and is it loving? And you're like, Sister McGee, you're on the wrong side of the map. Angry, positive, and loving are not on the same page. You cannot have one next to the other. Okay, but the only reason we think that is because we have come up through life just ingrained in our behaviors of how we express anger that we haven't really taken the time to stop and examine how should we express anger? How does God want us to express anger? What is the right way for a Christian to express anger? So it's not that we can't do it. It's just that we have to be purposeful about trying to change the way we've always done things. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about it. Now, I agree. I admit, I'm in the same boat. It is so hard to be positive and loving when you're angry. That's the last thing you want to do. I mean, because you're angry like, no, I do not feel one ounce of love or positivity at all right now. It's all negative completely. And so that's where it takes this moment of pausing, of stopping, taking a time out if we need to, walking out for a moment if we need to. Not to walk away from the person, but to step away so that we can come up with the way we need to respond. And in doing that, we have to unlearn our old destructive habits like the ones I mentioned. And we have to try to retrain ourselves. And this process is a good way to do it. Because if we keep doing what we've always done, we're going to keep getting what we've always got. Now, most episodes of an outburst of anger, they leave us emotionally spent and drained, do they not? I mean, by the time you have let your anger fly, you are drained, aren't you? Exhausted. And then you feel guilty. Because, you know, I remember them saying, you know, if someone treats you bad and they make you angry and then you respond in kind, how does that make you different from them if you do right back to them what they've just done to you? You may feel like a wounded soldier walking off the battlefield. And man, maybe we killed someone we believed was our enemy. Maybe we even wounded or killed some of our own by friendly fire. And we drag ourselves off the battlefield, and we're bleeding, and we're scratched up, and we're muddy. And yeah, maybe you won, but at what cost? Because both people are probably wounded and may have killed the relationship. There are better ways to handle things. And we can choose to take positive action that corrects and acknowledges the wrong. That doesn't mean you're a doormat. That doesn't mean you're not recognizing that a wrong has been committed and that someone did you wrong. That's not what this is. It's acknowledging the wrong and finding a way to reconcile and correct the wrong, but without continuing to inflict more damage. That's the key. We're just trying to not inflict more damage. We're trying to acknowledge the damage that has been done and then bring reconciliation and repair it. I've often said it can be really hard to take the high road. Don't you agree? I remember when I was a teenager in high school, and uh, I was at a Christian school and played volleyball. And there's always a quite assortment of people Um, different from all walks of life, you know. Not everyone that attends a Christian school is a Christian, okay? Newsflash. I mean, you probably knew that, but just in case, there it is. And I remember being at volleyball practice and standing in line, and uh, we were working hard. We were going through drills, and I was standing with my hands on my hips like this, and one of the girls that I didn't really have a close friendship with, we just both played on the same team, 
She just walked up behind me. She thought it'd be hilarious. And she just reached off and hauled off and smacked me as hard as she could on my arm. I mean, left an imprint. And I immediately, I was hurt. I was mad. And the other girls saw it. And you know what they started doing? Smack her back. Hit her back. Smack her back. And I just stopped. And I can't say I took the high road, but I did not slap her back. I just said, no, she's not worth it. Now, I probably shouldn't have said that, but I did. But I didn't slap her back. But, man, sometimes when anger and things rise up, when something has been inflicted just in a moment, because you're caught so off guard because it happens so unexpectedly. I mean, you're just cruising along. You're doing fine, going about your business, and then, like, wham, it's like someone literally hits you upside the head, and boom, just like that, zero to 90 in two seconds, and those emotions just rise up. So I understand it's not easy because we want those that have hurt us and made us mad to feel the same pain they inflicted on us. But if we choose to take positive and loving action, that doesn't mean that the wrong is going unpunished. My husband's fond of saying God keeps good records, right? So we have to ask, is the action that I am considering have any potential for dealing with the wrong and healing the relationship? Is it best for the person that I'm angry with? So what are our options? There's two. You have two options. One, the first option you have is, I'm going to lovingly confront the person. Okay? I'm going to lovingly confront them. Number two, you consciously decide to overlook the wrong, to overlook the matter. Now, let's talk about that second one first. We choose to overlook the matter or overlook the wrong when confronting the person will not have any positive outcome for either person involved. It's not going to be positive for the one that did the wrong, and it's not going to be positive for me, the one that experienced the wrong. Now, that doesn't mean you stuff your anger or you store it up and it becomes bitter. So what do you do with your anger if lovingly confronting the person is not an option. This is when we have to release it to God. And that is so hard. It's a process. It's not something that happens overnight. It's a continual thing. We ask God for help in forgiving the person because in that moment, it's not about reconciling the relationship with the person that hurt us. It's about helping ourselves be able to move forward so that we can be free from being emotionally captive to all those feelings that they inflicted. Now, Scripture, the word Scripture uses for this is forbearance. You're giving the matter of justice to God. In other words, it's not that the wrong will go unpunished. Now, if they ask forgiveness and they make it right, then there is the mercy and the forgiveness of God. But if they don't, we serve a God that is not only a God of mercy, but a God of judgment. But what you are doing when you release it to God is you're choosing not to be emotionally captive to that wrong. Maybe there's a story of someone who, as they grew up, they did not have a good relationship with their parents. At many crucial points in their life, their parents said some really cruel things. They weren't there for them. Um, maybe they had a really bad experience. And maybe this person as an adult now has harbored so much anger towards their parents. And, and there's been a few times that they tried to lovingly and talk to them, and it did not go well. It just went off the rails sideways. They weren't able to find any type of peace in that conversation. But they're still dealing with this anger. But now their parents are old and senile. 
They're in their 80s. They don't have much time left on this earth. And at that point, that adult child makes the choice. Confronting them with this is no longer beneficial for them or me. And at this point, I just have to release it to God because I can't carry it anymore. And a lot of times, this type of decision is made when the person who committed the offense, maybe they're not sorry. Or maybe they don't realize what they did. Or for many, there's people like, I don't know, maybe in this case with the senile parents, maybe they developed Alzheimer's and they don't even remember what they did. And they wouldn't know what you're talking about even if you brought it up. Or maybe it's when the relationship cannot be reconciled because maybe there was abuse that happened in that relationship and it's not wisdom to have reconciliation. However, there are times when it is the wise response to lovingly confront the person who has wronged you and to seek resolution. Now remember, we're talking about anger when it's with someone you're in relationship with, a boss, a coworker, a spouse, a neighbor, a child, a parent. Luke 17 and 3 if you don't care to put that up there, Brother Zach, Luke 17 and 3 says this. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Now, I have to be honest. In studying my lesson, of course, I always learn so much. Whenever I get ready to teach something, I learn so much myself. But I have to say that I understood the word rebuke in a whole different way than what I'd ever thought. Because in my mind, rebuke was, you're getting on to someone, you know. You're being very, you know, kind of a verbal beatdown. You're just kind of reading them the right act and reading them their rights and telling them one way or the other. But that's not what rebuke means in the scripture. What it literally means and is translated is to set a weight upon. It means to lay a matter before someone to bring it to the person's attention. And a way that you might approach that is, I've got something that's been bothering me. I'm actually feeling angry. Maybe I misunderstood the situation, but I want to talk about it when you have the opportunity. Remember, there is always, always the possibility that we misunderstood the words or don't understand the motive, the reason, or the full circumstance. Sometimes things happen, and we don't have all the information. So rather than come roaring in and just blowing it up, this type of approach gives the opportunity for you to hear what the other person has to say. And if you open the door with loving confrontation, they're going to be more apt to be open and share where they're coming from. If you want to resolve the situation, the goal is for healing and for peace. So we lay out our perception. This is what I heard. This is what I saw. This is what I believe to be true. And then you can ask, am I understanding the situation correctly? Is that what you really meant when you said that? Is this what you really did? Well, this gives the person the opportunity to, one, share information you may not be aware of. Two, explain their motives and what they said or did. And three, hopefully bring resolution by admitting what he or she did was wrong and ask forgiveness. That is the end goal. That's what you're trying to accomplish. Now, in this context, each person trying to understand the other, the issue can be resolved. Because how many times have you gotten angry, and once the anger went by and you actually sat down and had a conversation, how many times have you realized it was just a misunderstanding? It was a miscommunication. It was not what it was meant to be. Maybe other factors were 
involved that we weren't aware of, and then apologies are given and forgiveness is granted. Reconciliation is always the ideal when it's possible and when it's wisdom. Confrontation, it's never for the purpose of condemning. It's not to make the other person feel condemned, to just make them feel like the scum of the earth. That is not the point of confrontation. It's for restoring that relationship so that we can have a relationship with that person again that's open, open, sorry, that's open, that's genuine, and loving. Galatians 6 and 1 says this. Galatians 6 and 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Now, this is a great description. You have someone in the church in this case, a man, brethren, if a man could be a man or a woman, but they've done something wrong. They committed a fault. And those around helped restore that person in a spirit of meekness, loving confrontation. And it goes on to say, because consider yourself, lest you also be tempted. In other words, none of us are perfect. And the next time, we may be the one that made someone angry. And we want to extend the same mercy to those around us, the same forgiveness, that if we're the one that angered people, we want to feel and receive that type of mercy and that type of forgiveness. Matthew 7 and 2 says this, For with what measure we meet, it will be measured to you again. So let's give to others what we ourselves want to receive. Step 5. Step out of five steps. I gave up my how many steps there were. Five. So this is our last one. Once we have explored our options, it's time to take action. If I choose to let this offense go, if I choose to overlook the wrong, then this is where I share this decision with God. And this is where we have to ask him for help in the future because we're going to still deal with that residual anger. We're going to still deal with those feelings that may come up. But God, I need you to help me not be hindered by this event. And there's nothing wrong. You may need to seek out a counselor, depending on the severity of the offense. Because if you can't lovingly confront the person who wronged you, you may need to go and speak to someone and be able to share and extend all the things and express all the anger that you were not able to express before in order to bring healing and in order for someone to validate what you're feeling, to say, you know what, I understand why you felt angry. I understand why you felt that way and help process some things. And so many times anger, it's the result of so many other things from disappointment. It can be a result. Um, anger can even be part of grief and loss. It can be from so many things. And so we've got to discover what's the focus of our anger and how can I heal from this? So if we choose to overlook it, we may have to find some other avenues and ways to talk to our pastor or pastor's wife or a counselor or a trusted friend to be able to work through these feelings. And then as the feelings reoccur, because, you know, kind of like the little humorous video where animal was constantly triggered by the word drum, there's going to be things that happen in life that are triggers for us that bring up automatic feelings that just immediately spring to the surface. Maybe we see a post on Facebook and it's just like... <gasps> Or maybe we experience something with another person. It reminds us of something bad that happened as a child. There's things that can trigger feelings for us. And so we may have to pray that same prayer over and over. God, please help me. God, help me to work through this. Help me to let go of this anger. Now, if, on the other hand, we lovingly confront, that's the action we choose. We express our feelings in a loving way, and we give opportunity. Because sometimes in anger, 
All we want to do is share what's on our mind and tell them what we think. But in expressing our anger, we never get the, give the other person the opportunity to talk back. True? We tell them what we want to say, and we walk away. But in loving confrontation, it's a conversation. You're speaking, you're sharing, but you give the opportunity for response. Because by their response, you may gain greater understanding, a greater explanation. Because so many times we'll come to realize, I didn't understand the whole story. I didn't have all the facts. And then our perspective changes, and we are a lot less angry. There's a story of a lady standing out on her front lawn, and she saw two boys. And there was a younger boy, and he was riding a bicycle. And the older boy came along and took the bike from the younger boy and hopped on and went on riding down the street. And she was mad. I mean, that was awful. That bully, he came and took that bike from that nice young boy. Okay, but let's pause. She decided to do a little investigating. Let's find out if her anger is truly founded. And through a little discovery, she came to understand that this bike was laying in the older boy's yard because it belonged to him. And the younger boy came along and thought, hmm, I'm just going to take this bike for a joyride. So when the older boy came along, someone else took his bike and he was just taking it back. So did she have a right to be angry at the older boy? He was just reclaiming his own property, right? So sometimes situations that we see or we hear about or we think we know about, we may not know all the facts. And we have to be so careful that this not creep into the church that we see or hear or look around and, oh, they this or they that or this is why they did that or that was their motive. We have to be so careful. We may not have all the facts, right? So our perspective changes, and when it does, it diffuses the anger. And the other person, they may ask forgiveness, and if so, God requires us to grant it because if we don't forgive others their trespasses, our Father won't forgive us ours, right? And I'm not saying it's easy, but we make a conscious choice to do it. Just like we've heard, love is a choice. It's not always a feeling. Same thing with forgiveness. Forgiveness is a choice. Sometimes you choose to forgive before you feel it in your heart. And then the relationship, though, can move forward. Now, confrontation, it doesn't always lead to justice, even if it does lead to a restored relationship. There's a story of a man. His name was Jimmy. And he had a friend named Nick, and both of them were in business. And Jimmy's business was thriving. I mean, he was doing great. And Nick, he was ready to launch his business and take it a step further. But he needed an investment of $50,000. And Nick said, yeah, man, I'll lend you the money. And, or Jimmy lent him the money. And Nick's like, thank you so much. He said, in a year, as my business grows, I'm going to give this back to you and pay it out over a couple of years of payments. Jimmy said, no problem. I'm happy to, to sow into your business. Well, Nick's business didn't go like he thought. And at the end of the year, he did not have the money to pay his friend back. And at that time, Jimmy's like, hey, man, it's all right. I'm doing okay. Just, you know, try again in a year. Well, Nick's business just went belly up. And he ended up having to get a job. The job didn't pay that well. He barely had enough to pay his bills and provide for his family. Now, Jimmy started getting mad because what happened is Jimmy reached a point that he really needed that money because he reached a hard spot. But Nick didn't have the money to give him. Now, it was every bit Jimmy's right. He could take Nick to court if he wanted to and sue him for the money. The man owed it to him. He promised to pay it back. And now it's been quite some time, and he hadn't. So here's the thing. Am I going to sue this person, vent my anger, 
and get what's mine. But here's the thing. He could take him to court, but he still wasn't going to get the money. You can't get blood from a turnip. He had no way of getting his money. So Jimmy did the hard thing. He chose to forgive the man his debt and say, you know what? If you ever get to a point, you can pay me. You can. But we have been friends our whole life, and I don't want this money to come between us and ruin our relationship. He took the high road. That would be really hard to do. I have a friend who's a pastor's daughter, grown now, has grown kids of her own, and they had some young people come into their church and a couple of sisters. And here recently there was a horrible tragedy, and this girl that had been coming to her, their church, her sister accidentally shot her while checking out one of her father's guns, didn't know it was loaded, and it killed her. And now you can imagine the emotions and the anger and the guilt and the stress that this family is going to go through. They've lost one daughter that was accidentally shot by the other daughter. But there's going to be the anger at her for the death of their other daughter. But they, this is the only daughter they have left to have a relationship with. Can you imagine how hard that's going to be to work through? You have to stop and think because it would be so easy to say so many things you don't mean in moments like that. Now, you could reach a point when you lovingly confront someone that they deny doing anything wrong. Even in the face of undeniable facts, Dr. Chapman said this happens a lot when affairs take place, that it's deny, deny, deny. But unconfessed sin fractures relationships with people and with God because God gets angry at sin. Not at people, but he gets angry at sin. So then, if the person is unrepentant, they're not willing to face facts, you then you have to decide your next step. And you may come to the realization, I can't reconcile with this person if they're choosing not to deal with the wrongdoing. They're making a conscious choice, a conscious choice on their own, not to continue their relationship with you. If you come to them, lovingly confronting them, I want to talk about this, I think we can work through this, and they're just like, I didn't do nothing wrong. I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't do that. Or I'm not sorry for what happened. You deserved it, or any of those kind of things. They're making the choice not to continue that relationship with you. And that's really hard, because for some people in their personalities, and I can relate to this because it's my personality, you don't like having anybody angry with you. And so you want to try to fix, 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 fix. And you just have to come to the realization sometimes you just can't fix it because a relationship takes two people. So as bad as you want to, you can't always fix it. And so at that point, you just have to walk away. But you don't then turn your back on them. You just have to pray for them. Doesn't mean that you necessarily reconcile with them or have a relationship with them, but you put them in the hands of God. You just turn them over to God. Because like I said earlier, we serve a merciful God, but he's also a God of justice. And we leave it up to them, up to him to handle their offense. And then you can have peace of mind at that moment knowing that I did everything I could in a kind and responsible way to try to handle the situation. And then you just let it go. You just let it go. So let's recap like we did last week for tonight, how to handle our anger. Number one, consciously acknowledge to yourself that you're angry. Number two, Restrain your immediate response. Number three, locate the focus of your anger. Number four, analyze your options. Number five, take constructive action. Now, if you'll stand with me tonight. I understand that I've covered a lot of material 
And I understand that this is one of those lessons. It's so much easier said than done. Because you could sit here tonight and say, yes, that's what I'm going to do. The next time I get angry, I'm going to pause. I'm going to restrain my, you know what? But when you get into that moment of anger and those emotions are there, it's really difficult. So what I would encourage you to do and what sometimes um, when we've done marriage counseling and there's been different things we're trying to train people to respond in different ways or do different things, we've written out steps like this, these steps I, and put them on the fridge or on the bathroom mirror or somewhere where you can see them as a reminder because later on in the heat of the moment, you are not going to remember. What, 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 what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And so it would be nice just to have that as an easy reminder that we can look at. So um, if you want that, I can get that for you. So next week when you come back, we're going to talk about a few more things regarding anger. We're going to talk about definitive anger. Absolutely a wrong was done and we're angry. We're also going to talk about distorted anger. This is when there's not been a real wrong done, but we perceive that a wrong was done, so we're mad. And then we're going to learn about, well, how do I deal with the distorted anger? How do we examine and understand the validity of our anger? And we're going to talk about a little bit more about what I mentioned earlier about the two typical responses of anger, exploding anger or imploding anger. We're going to talk about that. And then a little bit down the road, we're going to talk about anger that builds up and lasts for years and anger whenever it gets to the point we're angry at God and how we reconcile and deal with emotions. So we still have some ground to cover. And um, like I said, all the material that I'm teaching is from this book by Gary Chapman called Anger, Taming a Powerful Emotion. And if this feels like something that you've really connected with, this book you can find it on eBay, Amazon. Um, there's discussion questions. There's um, applications at the end of each chapter. But it's absolutely a great book. And, of course, Gary Chapman's awesome, author of The Five Love Languages. And uh, this book is just as good. So he has a real easy reading style, um, kind of like Max Lucado. He incorporates stories from his counseling years. So I highly recommend it. But let's take a moment, and let's just close our eyes, and let's all take a moment. Can we pray together and just ask God that he can help us? God, we come to you tonight, Jesus, and we pray, God, that you would help us, Lord. God, we pray, Lord, that you would let your spirit deal with us, God, that we can learn, God, how to have self-control, God, how to deal with our anger. God, I pray, Lord, that we can give it to you, Lord Jesus, in those times when, Lord, confrontation is not possible, God, that we can release it, that we can let go of the anger of past wrongs and past hurts, of things, God, that we're unable to talk about, Lord, things, people that have died and gone on, and we're unable, Lord Jesus, to deal with that. God, we give it to you tonight. God, help us, Lord, not to dwell on it. God, Help us not to hold on to it and let it become bitterness and let it become hate, God. I pray tonight, God, Lord, that as situations arise, God, and as we go to talk to people about our anger and our hurts, God, that you would let us do it in a positive and loving way, God, that we could, Lord Jesus, bring reconciliation, God, that we could have love, God, that we could have relationships, God, that are pleasing to you, God, that we could do everything, God, according to your word and what you've asked us to do. We thank you and praise you, God, for your word. Thank you for the wisdom you give us, God, that we can grow and become more like you, God, in our walk with you. And I thank you and I praise you and I give you all the glory. In the name of Jesus, and everybody say amen. Amen. Turn it back to Pastor.
Amen. Also, I want to say tonight, I want to say thank you to all of the ladies or those that helped uh, set up or tear down this past Sunday. Appreciate uh, everybody's help in that endeavor and the food that was cooked and those that stayed around to participate. Uh, I want to say thank you for that and appreciate that wholeheartedly. Um, Two Wednesdays from this Wednesday, uh, we will be gone to camp, and several here from the church will be gone from camp. However, the church will still be open at 7, as we typically do when everyone's gone to camp for prayer. It'll be open at 7 o'clock, and you can come and pray and have a time of prayer with one another uh, before you part your own separate ways. There will be no uh, necessarily any service, as we might call it, but there will be the church open for prayer for those that are uh, left behind. Amen. <laughs> Not from the rapture, but just left behind from going to church camp. And so uh, you can take advantage of that time of the church being open for prayer. Amen. We've already prayed tonight. You're dismissing Jesus' name Sunday morning, Sunday night a service. Amen. So be here. Let's come and have a good time. And the Lord trust that you have a safe holiday tomorrow. Amen. And with your families. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.